Don't you say it with me this morning? The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. Aren't you glad you're a part of continuing enduring truth tonight? I'd like for you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. I'm only going to read two verses of Scripture for today to buy myself just a little bit of time and to take a moment to be able to say the thanks that I need to give this day. Genesis chapter 41 verse 14 is where we're going to begin reading. Elder Morton, let me say again, thank you for the great honor to be here. Um, be a part of this conference and I have certainly been blessed by being able to be here uh, in the years prior and this year again Um, Elder Morton is certainly a great blessing tremendous blessing and and a great strength to the work of God in this hour and this generation and we salute you today for who you are and what you've done and what God is still yet to do through your ministry Do you appreciate Elder Morton? I'm really glad to have my wife, my oldest daughter, and my only son here at this conference with me. And I love them all very much. To all the apostolic ministry, I want you to know I value you and appreciate you very much. I highly esteem you. In love for your work's sake. God bless you. To all the godly saints, what a blessing you are in your reception to the word of God. And uh, to all of the ministers who are my fellow laborers in this conference, uh, preaching the word of the Lord, I want you to know I appreciate what I have heard already and what we are yet to hear. Uh, I appreciate the ministry of Brother Wesley Jackson uh, on Wednesday evening and then yesterday afternoon, Brother Rocky Dunlap. And then last night, uh, Elder Tommy Jackson. How many was blessed by those messages? And I think you know now why those of us who live on the Gulf Coast have such high regard and respect for Brother Jackson. He is certainly an elder in our area, and there's not a man that has more respect, honor, and appreciation than he has in our area. And I want you to know I love you and I appreciate you, Brother Jackson. God bless you very, very, very much. Let's go to the word of the Lord, Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily, everyone say hastily, hastily out of the dungeon. I'm hoping today we get him out of the prison. (laughs) And he shaved himself, and I still think that's a good idea, and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. He was probably nervous. I'm not sure if he had time to get nervous, but he was probably wondering what all was going on. Verse 42, and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And so, coat number one, we looked at it yesterday, was the coat of many colors. Joseph lost that coat to jealousy. Then the second coat, I call it the coat of of administration. I'm not sure exactly. If you've got a better title, you can share it with me. Uh, Maybe if I'll write a book on this one day, you can help me get a good name for the chapter. But I call that the code of administration. And that's when he was in a position of leadership. And the seducer took it from him. And he lost that coat. And then the third coat was what I call the coat of transition. That's what he wore from the prison to the presence of the king. And then lastly, we have his coat of legacy as prime minister. He lost the first three, but he kept his last one. And with every coat he lost, it was bringing him to the one he would keep 
and wear for the rest of his life. Let's pray the Lord's blessings upon the preaching of the word. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I feel your liberty. I feel your victory. I feel your power. I feel your anointing. I feel your strength. I feel, God, your ministering spirit. Lord, I thank you for the hearts that are prepared to receive the word of God. Now impart to this people what you desire for them to have. We'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Of all of the things that I try to do as a minister as I approach the pulpit, number one, I always want to be able to say truthfully, not just to say it, but to say it truthfully, the Lord wants to talk to us about this subject. And so I believe this morning the Lord wants to talk to us about this subject. Number two, I never want to preach longer than I can pray. And that is, if, if, if I cannot continue in the Spirit longer than 30 minutes in prayer, I doubt I can stay in the Spirit in the pulpit for longer than 30 minutes. So I never want to preach longer than I can pray. Number two, or number three, I'm confused. Number three, I always want to be able to say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I really feel the Spirit of the Lord upon me. I really believe this morning that the Lord is going to give answers to your future. There are those of you who may need what I preached yesterday and what I am preaching today, right now. It's going to help you in this moment. But I'm going to tell you, I really believe in my spirit that the Lord has me addressing some of your futures. And God is going to give you answers today for your future. I believe that today God wants me to do more than just speak words. But I believe that God will impart something in the spirit and in the Holy Ghost as we preach the word of the Lord. How many is ready to receive the will of God into your heart? When I finished yesterday, Joseph was in the prison of what I call suffering wrongfully. Prior to being thrown into prison, Joseph, he had successfully resisted Potiphar's wife's sexual advances. He had overcome the temptation to be immoral. But now in the prison, he was tempted to become bitter. And, and, and let me remind you and give you again of the words we read from Psalms chapter 105, where the psalmist wrote of Joseph's prison experience, saying, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Joseph's angry master threw him into the dungeon and bound his feet with fetters. I don't know if the pain came from Potiphar locking the shackles like a police would put the handcuffs around an individual. Squeeze it down tight. I don't know if the pain came from the tightness of the shackles on his feet or from the heaviness of the ball and chain that was attached to him. It could have been both. But this is what I do know. Every step that Joseph took, it was a painful reminder of having been done wrong. Every time he began to move around, He felt the pain of his seducer's cruelty. The iron that held him fast around his feet really was only a manifestation in the natural of the iron that his soul was now laid in. In the prison of suffering wrongfully, Joseph experienced the harshness of humanity. 
and the hardness of life. He never got a trial. He never got to tell his side of the story. He never was able to plead his innocence. The master that he was so loyal to and had given his time and years for never heard him out. And can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that's life. That's life sometimes. Let me just remind you today that everybody will not appreciate your dreams nor share in them. Not everyone will appreciate your stand as you retain your integrity. I would say in this prison of suffering wrongfully, Joseph loses his innocence as a young man. But he becomes a real man. This prison experience puts steel inside of his soul. It strengthened his resolve. And yes, Joseph lost his coat, but he retained his integrity. He lost his reputation, but he maintained his character. He became a victim, but he never lost his virtue. He was forced into a questionable situation. But his actions were unquestionable. Potiphar's wife had his coat. She had the goods on him. And she could tell the story to anybody and everybody on the top side of the earth in Egypt. Joseph was in the dungeon. But it was only gossip and lies and untruths. Perception was not reality. The truth was not obvious. It was in this prison of suffering wrongfully that Joseph fulfilled the words of the New Testament given by the Apostle Peter where he said, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Some people will look at you and say, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't put up with it. I wouldn't go through it. I want to remind you they're not you and they're not going to give account for you. You be you. And if you'll be true to your God and true to yourself, God will be real to you and true to you. The Bible says, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. Are you willing to go through some things for somebody else? The Bible said Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Or just simply follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Everybody in the world can misunderstand and misjudge, but God, you'll never get it wrong and I'm yours. I commit myself into your hand. Let me tell you today, the only way you're going to out, or let's say you're going to survive slander is you've got to outlive it. You can't just go clean the mess up. 
Sometimes you just got to outlive it. And time is your friend. I can hear Jesus saying today, so they're lying about you. Welcome to my world. They called me a rebel. They misunderstood me. They misjudged me. They called me a devil. They said that I was a man making myself God. So they're talking about you join the club. You see, the prison of suffering wrongfully is where you begin to endure contradictions. You reap things that you did not sow. You suffer evil for good. This is where parents want to scream out about their children and say, I taught you better than that. It's like the Apostle Paul right into the church of Colossae saying, Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Hear the word of the Lord that God spoke through his prophet Isaiah. He said, the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Just trying to tell you, it is here in this prison of suffering wrongfully, we endure contradictions and so it is that the Bible teaches us that this is what Christ himself did he endured contradictions he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously I want to tell you a little bit of my personal story today In 1998, I felt led of the Lord to go to Jennings, Jennings, Louisiana, and to become an assistant to Elder Titus Alexander with the intentions of becoming the next pastor of the First Pentecostal Church of Jennings. I had been evangelizing for a while, preached for some of you brethren who are here. I was in the Northwest and... uh, was heading back south. I actually, I just preached for Brother Quinn Yorbro. And uh, I was headed back south to begin helping the elder uh, at the end of the year. I was going to begin a new year with him. And so as I began to leave the northwest, I passed through Little Rock. They were having their camp meeting. And uh, while I was there at camp meeting, I saw Elder Durwood Hammer, who was one of the men who invited Brother Weeks and I to preach for him uh, when we were very young. And so we had a good connection with him. And I, I, I stopped and talked with him for a little bit. He said, what's going on? Where are you at? What you doing? And I said, actually, I am headed down to Jennings. I've been evangelizing, and now I'm going to Jennings, and I'm going to assist Brother Alexander. He looked at me and said, how old are you? I said, I'm 27. He said, you've got five years. You're young. You've got time to give. And uh, you don't have to get in a hurry. That that ought to work. And I'm, I'm standing there like, five years to wait. I didn't know he was a prophet that day. When I arrived in Jennings in November of 1998, Elder Alexander was 81 years old, going strong and pastoring. And as we began to talk and have our conversations, he expressed his wishes for me to stay with him for six months. And uh, at the end of six months, it would give him or I an out. Now, I'm going to tell you, I didn't go to Jennings looking for a way out. God had thoroughly persuaded me and convinced me in my heart that this was right. And that's why I went there. I went to do the will of God. But the elder at that time was not quite so convinced. And so he needed six months. And uh, so at the end of six months, he said, listen, if, if you stay, we're going to make it permanent. And, and, and he made no promises. And uh, so if you're wondering if I'm going to throw the elder under the bus today, it ain't going to happen. 
I'm not going to incriminate the elder in any way. I just want to tell you my story. And uh, he made no promises, but he was like, you know, I'd like to retire in a year. I, 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 that's something I'd like. Come for six months and we'll make it permanent. And maybe, maybe after a year, hey, listen, you've got to learn how to listen for the right words. If it's no promise, there's no promise. Don't make it a promise. And so he said he'd, he, he really, as an 81-year-old, would like to maybe retire uh, at the, after a year. And uh, I'll tell you this, six months turned into a year, and one year turned into five and a half years. And I'll be honest with you, during that season and that time, I became angry. I became disappointed. I became frustrated. I was hurt. And I was offended. I was confident that God wanted me to pastor in Jennings. But I want to tell you, it, it, it got so long and so many things happened that I got to the place I wasn't sure anymore. I was so dead emotionally. I was like, even if I became pastor, I don't know if I'd have enough life and enough passion and, and enough vinegar, whatever, uh, vigor inside of me that would help me uh, to just take this church and move on and have revival. I had been respectful. I had been submitted. I had been faithful. I had been humble. I had been cooperative. I'll leave a lot out of the story today, but, but finally things come to a breaking point. And there was, the elder didn't want me to leave, and I didn't want to leave, but there were situations that began to arise pertaining to the fact that there was no uh, retirement in sight. And, uh, I mean, he, he got to 86 years old, and we still had no date. I had nothing but what I felt in my heart. So there were situations that began to arise. I could read it. There was a scripture that came to me during that time that served me. The Bible said, a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. And so I could read the signs and I could tell, I don't want to leave. The elder doesn't want me to leave, but as it is, it looks like it's going to have to happen. So I began to entertain the thought of leaving. And, um, I spoke with my pastor, which is always a good idea, right? I spoke with my pastor, and he's the one that, that Brother Alexander talked to, and he opened the door for me to go to Jennings and encouraged me to go. And, and so I talked to him and said, Elder, this is what's going on. This is what I see. Uh, I, I, listen, I'm reading the signs, and I, 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 I may have to go. And you know what? He said, I understand. And he let me know I would have his blessings and that he would support me and that he trusted whatever decision I would make. Again, the elder wasn't wanting me to leave and I wasn't wanting to leave. It was just coming to that, that point. We, we were having a struggle getting to retirement. It was coming to the breaking point and I didn't honestly know how it was going to break. And so at 86, we have no date. I'm opening myself up for leaving. and I've now got my pastor's blessings. But that wasn't enough. I couldn't feel it. I went to a meeting and I, I, I was going, seeking the mind of the Lord, praying that God would talk to me, listening attentively. So I went to the minister session, and in the minister session, Brother D.C. Moody was uh, preaching, and while he was speaking to us ministers, he got to talking about how that God spoke to him specifically about when to go, where he was supposed to go. And I thought about my experience with Jennings, how God so powerfully confirmed his will into my life for me to go. And, and now I was in a situation I didn't know if I was going to stay, and this is what he said. He said, listen, if you don't have a direct word to leave, don't leave you got a word that says go, go, 
And then if you have trouble but you don't have a word that says leave, don't leave. So, you know what I did? Not feeling a release. Feeling justified. I could have. But the Holy Ghost wouldn't release me and let me go. And so I'd go back to the altar again and I would die out to my flesh. And I would die out to my feelings. And I would have to lay all of the issues and situations and circumstances aside. I'd have to die again. And I'd have to die again. And I'd have to die again. And I'd die again and feelings would rise and I'd have to put myself on the altar again. I'm going to tell you, if you're ever going to be anything for God, you got to learn how to die. And you're going to die and live another day to die again. And then you're going to live another day to die again. I'm going to tell you, you got to get used to dying. I remember one day I felt impressed of the Lord. I, I, I've been a slow reader. I'm, I'm, I'm a faster reader than I've ever been, and I can consume more and retain more information than I ever have in my life, but it hasn't always been that way. I, I'm a slow, slow reader, and uh, uh, things are better. But I remember one day the Lord impressed me. Uh, read the book of Colossians. Read it all. It only has four chapters. So you know God understood my nature. (laughs) And the impression was, read the book of Colossians. I felt it so strong. And so I I picked up the book of Colossians and I started reading. Read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. And when I got to the second to the last verse, I read... The words and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. When I read that passage of scripture, the word of the Lord hit my soul. You see, we've got to remember ministry's not about us, it's about others. Salvation's for us, but ministry's for others. And ministry can be hard, and ministry can be painful. And it's up to you and I to commit ourselves to fulfilling the will of God and the ministry that He has called us unto, no matter how hard or how painful it is. And so I... I heard the Lord say, you got to finish what you started, boy. Fulfill the ministry that I've called you to do. I take myself back to the altar again. It was in this time that I learned to embrace the sovereignty of God. I'm 27, he's 81, and then the numbers keep going. He's 86. You'd think we was just waiting for an old man to die. I was like, God, all you got to do is pull the number. I mean, and, and everybody would say, he's 86, he's lived a good life. He's been a great elder. All you got to do is just move him out of the way. Boy, am I being too honest today. Just pull his number. But it was in this time I was realizing, you know, God's not pulling the number. So he must have something else. In mind. So we're at July of 2003. He's 86 and we have no date of retirement. 
He doesn't even know when it will be. He don't want to talk about it. Can I tell you, it's not easy to come to this place of retirement. I have more compassion for elders than I ever have. Some folks would just say, set a date and do it. Bless God. Right. Or do it like so-and-so did it. Can I tell you, we're not so-and-so. Every situation is different. Every ship is not the same. And the waves of the ocean aren't always the same. And you can't just throw it in a man's hand. But I can tell you this. When it comes time for transition, it don't take long. Because the Bible said they ran into the prison. And for Joseph, it was just another ordinary day where he grabbed the keys and he was going about his tedious duties. And all of a sudden, they run to him and say, Hey, Pharaoh wants to see you. Put this garment. Shave yourself. Clean yourself up. Come on. Come on. Come on. He's got a new garment. He's got a new look. Yes, sir. He didn't even wear that coat very long. I, I don't even know how long he wore the coat. It, it could have just been one hour. Because he hears the dream of Pharaoh. He interprets the dream concerning the future. Notice this. But not only does he interpret the dream for the future... He has wisdom to know how to fulfill the will of God concerning the future. And he stands there trembling. He's been helping everybody else with their word. But now the moment of his word came. <laughs> it was kind of like me dying and dying and dying and saying, when is my moment going to come, God? How long am I going to be in this place? When will we get a date? And it was in that time and season I, I learned to embrace the sovereignty of God. And I, I learned that God's got the perfect time to hold on and He knows when to let go and He knows when it's just right. And I just got to learn to keep my life in his hands and say, I'm yours, God. If I need to die, I'll die. If I need to wait, I'll wait. If I need to be patient, I'll be patient. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill your will. I may be justified. I may have a right to want to get out of your will, but I don't want to. I don't ever want to get out of your will because, because my word's going to come and my time is in God's hands. And when he gets ready to call me out of my prison, I'm coming out. Hallelujah. And I can tell you, if God can make a lamb out of you, he can make a lion out of you, but you're not going to be a good lion until you become a good lamb. You gotta die, you gotta die, you gotta die. You gotta embrace the sovereignty of God and not just be angry about situations. You gotta know the mind of God and commit yourself to it and say whatever it takes. Because I'm telling you, you may know the will of God, but the elder may be finding the will of God. And if you'll lose yourself in others' words, your word to come. And you'll stand before Pharaoh and you'll say, this is the interpretation and this is what you need to do about it. You need to find you a man who's discreet, wise. And you know what? The elder walked into my office one day in August of 2003, and he said, what will you do for me if I retire? Just a few days earlier, I had sat down already and typed it all in. I said, well, I tell you what, I got it in the computer. I'll print it out and bring it to you. 
He didn't contest a one of them. He said, all right, when I turn 87 on my 87th birthday, April the 4th, 2004, I'll retire. I'm going to give the church an opportunity to vote you in. I'm not going to force you on them. And he said, we're going to do it right now in August, and we're going to confirm it, and it's going to be settled now, and you'll be pastor in April. You don't wear the coat of transition very long. You show yourself a wise man. You prove yourself by handling others' word until your word comes. You're being proven until. You be faithful as a servant. You'll earn your stars and stripes. And before, before it was over, Pharaoh said, I don't need to look for another man. You're the man. There's a, not another one that's as wise and discreet as you are. I got another coat for you. I'll put it on you. I'm going to tell you, you may think you're never going to get out of your cave. Your prison. Your times are in God's hands. You can't judge your life by everybody else's life. You can't say what should happen by what happened to other people. You just got to stay on the altar. The Lord may say, hey, three days and you're going to rise again. <laughs> you just got to keep your life in the hands of the Lord and say, my time is in God's hand. I'm God's. And I, I, I may have to fight myself and die again and again, but I'm willing to wait till the Lord says, Lazarus, come forth. Joseph, come out of the prison. I got a work for you to do. Let's give the Lord praise that we can trust Him and trust His timing. You can be seated. It was in those years that I, I learned how to let God harness me. I learned how to patiently wait. And I learned how to stay within the bounds of the Spirit. And I'll tell you this. There's nothing that has helped me anymore as a pastor than what advantage I gained in my spirit and in my heart from those years of patiently Waiting. There's nothing that serves me more as a pastor than learning to die out to myself and stay committed to the working and the leading of the Holy Ghost and, and not let people and situations and circumstances prompt me into to responding to my flesh and acting out of my own carnal attitude. I still take myself to the altar. And die out to myself and say, God, I feel like handling it like this, but I'm committed to the way that the Holy Ghost wants this matter to handle. I'm just telling you, we need some dying going on in a Pentecostal movement. We need some dying. I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches that'll have a lot better future if we got some young men and young ladies that'll learn how to die. when you get in your position of legacy and you come to that place of authority that you understand it, you still can't say anything you want to say. And just because something needs to be said doesn't mean you need to say it. The question is, does the Holy Ghost want you to say it? I'm not going to preach a long time today. I'm almost through. i got a little more ways to go. But I, I, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost helping me today. Amen. 
I finally came to the painful reality and accepted it. That God was not waiting for an old man to die. God was waiting for a young man to grow up. How do I know that? Because the elder retired in April of 2004 at 87 years old and we buried him with honor a month ago at 97. And again today I have to say while he was wondering, God, why are you leaving me here? Just take me. I don't feel like I'm useful anymore. I'm not as important anymore. And I would look at him and say, Elder, God's leaving you here for us and for me. And we need you. And I'm not going to get happy about him taking you. I want him to leave you as long as you can stay. And I'm not uncomfortable with you being here because we need you and we'll take you as long as God will give you to us. And just for the record, I paid him until his dying day. And again, I have to say, the Lord gave him to me for 10 more years. And so as a young pastor, I still say, after 10 years, God was still waiting for a young man to grow up. And we weren't waiting for an old man to die. I needed an elder after I started pastoring that I could go to and pour my heart out. I needed somebody that loved me and loved those people that would listen to what I had to say, that would let me share what I was going through, what I was feeling, and, 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 and hear him say, you're all right. You got it. There's times I'd break down and I'd weep and I would cry and I would get on my knees before him. I'd pour my heart out with what I was going through. And when I finished, he said, you're doing the right thing. You're all right. And then he'd lay that big old hand on me and he'd say in the name of Jesus, I want you to touch my pastor. I want you to give him grace and strength. And I'm telling you, nobody could touch God for me like my elder could touch God for me. And I feel the anointing. Not just touch God for me. I'm telling you, there was no anointing I would feel like when he laid his hand on me. It was like Jacob laying his hands on his son. Let me just give an encouraging word to elders. Sometimes you feel put out when you retire. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll give them some space for a little while, they'll come crawling back to you saying, Oh, God, I need help. And if you're a wise young man, you'll do that. It's kind of like what I was reading when I was reading the book called The President's Club one time. Reading The President's Club, they say these men work so hard and they spend all of the millions of dollars they spend and the hours that they spend and, and they work so hard and then they, they get into the saddle and then they re understand the full responsibility that's on them and then they're like, why in the world did I ask for this? Let me tell you this, as I was reading that book, one thing I noticed and that was... As, uh, uh, as it goes, they say that there's no, there's no people that serve the president or has served that seat of the president any more than the former presidents. 
And as I was reading, I realized that every president, no matter what they went through, survived it. They was able to stay in office or they were killed or whatever. But whatever controversy was going on in the country at the time, they survived it. Whether they created it or not, every one of them survived it. But Nixon, he had to retire, resign. He's the only president that was living at that time when he resigned without a living former president. Every other president has survived. And there's been men that's been alive that used to sit in that seat and could help him. But Nixon didn't survive his. And I find that very enlightening. We'll be all right as long as we keep the elder in our life. Nobody had my back like the elder had my back, I'm telling you. I didn't have a more loyal individual in our church than he was. I remember one time uh, taking him and Sister Alexander for her 93rd birthday. As I did that, I thought, you know what, this would be a good day to let the elder know. I really appreciate the peace that he has made possible in his retirement. And I would just express it. He was a man that wouldn't even let you just give him a lot of compliments. And, and so I, we were sitting at lunch and I, I started saying, Elder, I, I want you to know, uh, I really appreciate the relationship that we share and the peace that's in this church. I appreciate it so very much. And I, I, you know, I realize it's more than just, if you're going to have peace and you've got two people, it's more than just one good person. You know, why are we surprised when there's peace when we are supposed to have the Holy Ghost? Why does peace surprise us? And so I said, Elder, I want you to know I, I, I appreciate our relationship and what God's doing in our church. And I'm telling you, God's blessing our church. And, and I said, hey, I realize it's more than just that I've been kind. He said, yeah, he didn't even give me a chance to finish. He said, yeah, I've kept my nose out of your business. But I'll tell you this, he wasn't sidelined. He kept his place. He submitted to my authority as a pastor. But I'm going to tell you, when he retired, he didn't go from a big man to a little puppy. He went from a big man to a bigger man. God dealt with me before I became pastor. Just before I became pastor, the Holy Ghost gave me a good dose of humility. The Lord impressed me. Listen, Townley, if, if you can deal with this elder's idiosyncrasies, if you can deal with his little oddities and his little quirks and, and, and his little ways of doing things as an assistant, if you can be humble and, and, and you, can, you can be cooperative and you can respect him and, and just see him that that is what he is, that's who he is, and, and just let him be that and you do the will of God and, and, and you, can, you can be cooperative and kind as long as you've got a church to gain out of it. Then, you ought to be able to still dance with him when you get the church. Because if I've just been able to be cooperative with his little ways and, 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 and be kind and humble and broken and submitted because I got something to gain out of it, what good is there? But if I love him, it doesn't matter if he's pastor or I'm pastor, I'll be patient and still dance. Can I tell you, I don't believe we should expect our elders to change. They're big old lions and they can't ever become a whoop puppy in the corner.
I'll tell you this today. If you make your elder feel anything less after retirement, you'll make yourself a lesser man and prove you are. I know there's problems and things that's going to come up, but I'm telling you, we got to be a people of peace that learns how to humble ourselves one to another and submit ourselves one to another. Retired elders don't become less men. They become honorable men. And we who are younger and take their place must become committed to them finishing strong. We're a part of their legacy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember one time. I'm honestly almost through. One time, there was a situation come up after I started pastoring shortly thereafter. And I, had to, I went and saw the elder. It makes it sound like I went to him all the time. I didn't. But when, when, I, when I knew it was an important issue, we'd talk. I said, Elder. I said, Elder, I got this situation. And this is the decision you made as a pastor. And I never, I never wanted to go against you. I didn't, I didn't want to have to make a decision. That was contrary to you and different. But this is why I'm making this decision. This is why I'm, I'm doing this. What do you think? And, and it's going to bother some people and it's, gonna, it's not going to set well with certain ones. But, but this is really what I see and, and it is different from you. And I'm not asking you to change. I'm not trying to dishonor you. But I'm telling you, Elder, I don't want this to cause trouble. What do you think? He said, I tell you what. He said, this is nothing to become divided about. I preached what I preached. I drew the lines that I drew. But this is not an issue to become divided about. And he said, if you need me to get in the pulpit and say something about it, I'll do it. Now, thankfully, we didn't have to go that far. But what I'm trying to tell to you, if you try to make a whoop puppy out of an old lion, you may need him one day. Can I tell you, our churches and myself, I need to hear the roar of an elder. Now I'm telling you, when our elders retire, we don't need to shut their mouth. We don't need to take their roar out of them. Sometimes we may need some help to where they stand in the pulpit and they roar like a lion. And nobody knows that roar like that church. Let's not take away a gift that we need by stealing the roar of the elder. There's a scripture the Lord gave me when I went to Jennings. Kind of made me privately proud it said that the election of God may stand the elder shall serve the younger that was speaking of Jacob and Esau and that divine choice said that the elder would serve the younger. But I felt like God really spoke that to me. And it was mine. Here I am, 27 years old, and going to become an assistant and take the church and become the next pastor. Let me just tell you this. We never lost one person over transition, not one. I'm not being arrogant. That's not because I'm a good guy. It's good people. But I'm telling you, it can be done. And I feel like the Holy Ghost is kind of taking authority in this house today. And saying we can do it. And we can do it right. And the better, the movement will be better served by us expecting and proclaiming peace.
and servanthood. Can I tell you, if anybody gets you focused more upon your authority than being a servant, that is going to get you in trouble. Do you hear me? <laughs> so I, I thought, the elder's going to serve the younger. I'm going to be the... I'm the choice of God. Now I realize the elder did serve the younger for 10 years. But it was with this ignorant young man saying, Elder, I'm going to do it to you. (laughs) Elder, he don't want you to know he's older than me. (laughs) I'm joking. It's because I've broke. I said, I need help. Would you talk to me? Would you lay your hand on me? Would you pray for me? I need the move of the Holy Ghost. I need something to break. It wasn't me standing over him and saying, would you get me something to drink? No, the elder would sit in his chair and I'd go see him and he would say, he would say, boy, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you came over today. I said, well, I need you to help me. And he would be like, well, I don't know. I need your help. And he'd say, I don't know if I can help you or not, but I'll listen. I'll see. You're the pastor. God's going to talk to you. He's not going to talk to me. I said, but elder, I need you to listen to what I got to say. And I need you to feel it in the spirit with me. And I need to know that it's the Holy Ghost. And I need to know that me and you together. And I need you to lay your hand on me one more time. And that's the way. He served me. He wasn't ever less than I was. He was always more. As you stand with me. As you stand with me. Here's this young Joseph. This is the way I'm going to close it. This is kind of different today. He's now prime minister. I can see. Thank you. I I can see Potiphar going home to his beautiful home and his gorgeous wife. And he says, hey, babe. In Egyptian language. Hey, babe. You remember that? A guy named Joseph? Pharaoh just made him prime minister. And Pharaoh said everything in his kingdom is in his hands to do whatever he wants to do. Whatever you said about him had better be true. Or we pray to God in heaven above to the millions of gods that the Egyptians worship that he had a change of heart. Because we could live or die today. You remember that remember that guy that when you had the power in your hands you just stomped him threw him in a dungeon he's got the power today God's brought him up called him forth and put him in his place you better hope that what you said was true are that he's got a good heart and he's bigger than you. Or you're in trouble. We better be careful how we treat people when we can do whatever we want to do and they got to take it and we get our way because God 
is working in their lives. And one of their, these days, our lives may be in their hands. God, help me to be good to little people. God bless you. You're dismissed from this message. <laughs>